ability to do everything perfectly and to do everything right. Um, we, we, need, we need a more sure, we need something more sure than ourselves. Um, and, and so many times in, in Christianity, a lot of times people, they end up trusting and looking to themselves. And um, that's wonderful when you're having a good week or when you're having a good day or when, when things are doing well on your behalf. Um, but when, and really it's not wonderful in those times because it lulls you into trusting in yourself. And there's really no place as a believer where you're called to trust in yourself. Um, this is a, a rescue from start to finish. And a lot of times, you know, the enemy on our, in, our, in our places of strength, in our, in our good days, he, he can lull us into um, trusting in ourselves. And you may be able to trust in yourself when everything's going right, but how many know it's not going to last? You know, and, and so what we have to learn how to do is to not trust in ourselves even when we're strong, even when we're doing everything right, because you're not called to trust in yourself in your moments of strength, and you're not called to trust in yourself in your moments of weakness. How many know you're called to trust in Jesus Christ? That's who you're called to trust in. And so, and when I'm talking about trusting in, you know, how many know that periodically uh, we all need help? And um, we need help that's greater than what we can provide. How many know the Bible says to boldly come to the throne of grace to attain help in time of need, right? And we need ability, we need strength, uh, we need God to do things on our behalf. And so, um, how many know that, that God is a God that, that answers prayer, right? And He answers prayer, He does miracles, He changes things, He does things that we can't do in our own strength. But the, the challenge a lot of time is that we will come to God based upon our own ability to deserve or earn um, His blessing or His promises, you know, we look at, you know, pastor so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so, and we think, well, they are worthy to have their prayer answered because they're doing this and they're doing that, or, you know, they don't have this going on in their lives. And we, we start to compare ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise. And then when we come to God, we come to God based upon us. And how I many you know you're never called to do that? No one is ever, you're never called to come. To, God's not going to answer your prayer because you were really good this week. God's not going to not answer your prayer because you were not good this week. Because it's actually not about you and me at all. Okay, all, all the promises in Him are yes and amen. Can I get an amen? This is about Jesus Christ. And so the, the God's going to answer your prayer because of Jesus' obedience, not because of your obedience. God's going to answer your prayer and... God's going to bless you because of Jesus. It's really important to understand that because we spend a lot of time developing confidence in our flesh. Developing confidence in our ability to do this and our ability to do that. And, you know, if I fasted this much, then God's going to answer my prayer. If I've given this much, then God's going to answer my prayer. If I've had this much church attendance, God's going to answer my prayer. If I've ministered this much, God is going to answer my prayer. Everything that I just mentioned is an attempt to bring God in debt to you. God does not owe you anything. 
but God will give you everything for free through Jesus Christ. So you, you, you don't come to God based upon your own self-righteousness. We don't come to God based upon our own works, our own deeds. We come to God based upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone and only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus. Can I get an amen? But how many know you have to learn how to do that when you've been taught to trust in yourself? Or you've even been taught to trust in your own faith? Or you've been taught to trust in you? Um, you've got to get your attention and your focus off of you. I mean, you know, every person that received a miracle during Jesus' earthly walk, none of them were saved. They were all sinners. They were all spiritually dead. None of them were saved. None of them had one iota of right to receive. And yet we see prostitutes get set free. We see thieves get born again. A thief, a thief condemned dying on the cross gets born again. Um, we see over and over again, we see God do amazing things for undeserving people. Right? But the, the one group of people, you never see a Pharisee get healed. Not one time. You never see a Sadducee get healed. The Bible says that there was one place where the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but none of them received. Why did they not receive? Because their attention and their focus was on their right to receive. They said, you know, I've got this long robe that represents my education and represents my authority as a believer, you know, as a as a child of God or whatever. I've got this, I've got that. I was taught at the feet of Gamaliel. I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was. None of them could receive. Not one of them ever received. Why? Because self-righteousness short-circuits grace. Okay? And so not one of them ever received. Not one time do you ever see any of them receive. And yet... We see prostitutes turn into disciples. We see roughneck fishermen become leaders. Um, we see, I'm sorry, we see murderers receive. See, everyone receive. Now, what do all those people have in common? Those people don't have anything to bring to the table. And so they're not conscious of themselves. They are conscious of Jesus as Savior. They're looking, Jesus is Savior. He saves. You tracking me? And that's why they had greater faith than people who were in these self-righteous labyrinths of legalism trying to deserve and earn standing with God. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you can't even enter into the kingdom of God. How I many know you cannot get saved until you recognize that what you have done is not enough? Are you tracking me? I mean, no one's going to knock on the door to heaven and say, I deserve to be here. I earned my way here. How I many know the purpose of the law and the prophets, the purpose of the old covenant was to show man that he did not have the ability to save himself? Right? So, so. So all these people who were not saved, who were sinners, 
who were spiritually dead, who were raised from the dead, who were healed, who had demons cast out of them, who saw miraculous moves of God. How I many you know their sin did not stop the move of God? Their shortcomings did not stop God from moving. Because God doesn't need you to qualify in order to receive. God just needs you to receive because He loves you. Amen. And the two people that had great faith had one thing in common. There was a, there was a, 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 a Syrophoenician woman and then there was a, a, a centurion soldier. And the, two things that, the one thing that they had in common, and they both had great faith, is neither of them were Jews. Which means neither of them were in a system of self-righteousness under the law to try to earn or deserve anything. They both knew they weren't worthy. The Roman soldier so much so said, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. But I recognize that you are a Christ, you are a Messiah, you are a hero. And if you'll just say the word, it's going to happen. The reason he had great faith is he wasn't bringing any self-righteousness to the table. His eyes weren't blocked by his own self-righteousness. He could see Jesus as a Savior. The Syrophoenician woman could see Jesus as a Savior. And Jesus looked to both of them and said, you have great faith. And so today, the thing that's blocking people from receiving is us trying to earn something outside of Jesus. Us trying to earn something outside of the cross. Us trying to bring something to the table to say that we earn, we've earned it or we deserve it. You know, I lived in a system where we gave tons of money and the reason we gave tons of money was not because we loved people or we wanted to bless people. It's because we were trying to get God to owe us. We were trying to make God in debt to us. If I've given enough money, then now God owes me. And here's the thing. If you're doing anything to try to make God owe you, you're stepping outside of the covenant of the cross. You're stepping outside of grace and you're trying to cut a side covenant with God based upon your obedience. And this side covenant with God is going to do nothing but leave you frustrated because what you've said, whether you realize it or not, is Jesus wasn't enough, I need to fast in order to move God. Jesus wasn't enough, I need to, to give this amount of money in order to move God. I need to witness to this amount of people to move God. Now, is giving good? Yes. Is fasting good? Yes. Is church attendance good? Yes. Is evangelism good? Yes. But if I'm doing any of these things to try to establish my own right to deserve God to answer my prayer, I've left grace and I'm down here in this low level of legalism where my own righteousness is being weighed in the balances. And on the weeks where I do well, I think I deserve something from God. In the weeks where I do bad, I feel condemned and feel like I deserve punishment from God. In that weighing of the balances, my attention and my focus is not on Jesus at all. Jesus could be standing in the room and I wouldn't be looking at Him because I'm too busy looking at me. Weighing what I've done. Like, oh, well, I was pretty good this week and so, wow, I'm pretty awesome. There's Jesus standing right there. Ready to answer my prayer. All the promises in Him are yes and amen, but I'm too busy looking at me. 
well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I've done that. Or on the other end, man, I did this and man, I did that. And oh gosh, I did that. And oh, I forgot to do that. And then there I am weighing in the balances and the Son of God is there to save me and rescue me and give me for free all the promises, but I've got to lay down these filthy rags of self-righteousness in order to receive from the Son of God as, as, as my Savior. Are y'all tracking me here? See, when you see Jesus, you have great faith. But when you're focused on yourself, your faith will always be frustrated. You'll always be in that, those legalistic games of self-righteousness. And when you're doing everything right, you think you're so awesome, and you're, you get so full of pride, and you feel like God owes you, and then you get mad when things don't work out the way that you think they should, because you have your contract that you've written up, you know, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and you've become a first-hour worker who's demanding payment based upon your work. Listen, there's two ways you can do this. You can get what you deserve, or you can get what Jesus deserves. If you get what you deserve, you're not going to be pleased. But if you choose to humble yourself and get what Jesus deserves, then you'll receive everything that God has for you by grace, through faith, through trusting in Him. And you'll have great faith. And you'll receive. And when you do receive, you're not going to take credit for any of it because you know you did nothing to deserve it you're going to point people to the Lord and freely you have received and freely you're going to give. I mean, the 11th hour worker could not brag on his work. The 11th hour worker could only brag on the goodness of his master. The 11th hour... See, you're called to be an 11th hour worker. You're called to receive based upon the goodness of the master, not the goodness of your own effort or your own ability. But the enemy is always trying to pull you out of an 11th hour mindset and bring you over into a first hour elder brother mindset. Because if he can get you to leave grace and go back to legalism, he's going to kick your butt over here. Why? Because, because the attention and the focus is going to be on you and not on Jesus. So if you're over here in the, in the first hour worker and you're walking through the labyrinth of legalism and you're clicking all the tiles and you're connecting all the dots and you are an awesome Christian person, the enemy's just laughing. He's rooting you on. Keep going. Keep burning yourself out. Keep trying. Keep working. Because he knows that your strength is not going to last over here. And he knows that when you fail... You're not going to have anything to catch you because you spent all your time trusting in yourself. So, don't operate completely renounce self-righteousness. Okay? In every sense. You have something more powerful than you. Amen? It, and His name is Jesus. And He is a Savior. And now, this is a simple concept, but it's a challenging concept to get into our minds and to, and to, and to keep hold of. Okay? Um, you need something stronger than you. You need Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? On your good days, on your bad days, when you do well... See, 
your Christianity should not be consumed with you looking at you. Amen? It shouldn't be. It should not be. The attention and the focus this morning shouldn't be on you. And it shouldn't be on me. The attention and the focus should be on Jesus. As you behold Him, you're changed into the same image from glory to glory. As you behold Him, your faith rises up and is strong and is mighty. As you look at Him, you receive. Because He is a Savior. He is a Rescuer. He is a Hero. He is the Christ. He deserves all your attention. He deserves all the glory. And you can receive everything that God has promised you according to Jesus' obedience and not according to your own. See, because your physical obedience does not earn you points with God. Your physical obedience does not earn you points with God. Your physical obedience does not earn you points with God. Your physical obedience does not earn you points with God. How do you know, Jeremiah? Because... We can have someone who's taught Sunday school for 36 years, struggling with cancer, and we can have a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist come in off the streets and get saved and get healed of the cancer that this person for 36 years have tried to get set free from. Haven't you all seen it? We've all seen it, right? We've seen it so much that we don't understand it. And we almost get mad at God about it because we're thinking if anybody deserves to be healed, it's this person. You have to understand, no one deserves to be healed. The reason that this, this crackhead, drug addict, alcoholic could receive healing is this person was not bringing anything to the table trying to earn anything from God. This person just saw Jesus and just received. Are y'all tracking me here? This person could have had 36 years of learning how to earn it. I mean, you know, when you come to the throne of grace, your Sunday school teaching is not what is going to bring forth the promise into your life. How I many you know a pastor's pastoring is not what's going to bring forth the promise into their life? How I many you know it's not, it, and it's not, the, your morality is not going to bring forth the promise into your life? You have to understand that. It's, it's by faith receiving what Jesus has already provided. And, and people who have nothing to trust in, in some ways, can have an advantage over people who have things that they think they can trust in. That's why Paul said, I count all my accomplishments but dung. He used those words. Those are strong words. He said, I count everything that I have. My teaching, I sit at the feet of Gamaliel, you know, my, my, my nationality, my circumcision, everything I've done in my strength, I count it trash so that I can win Christ. Because if you bring one tiny little dot of you into the equation on why you deserve from God, you've frustrated all of grace. Are y'all tracking me here? And so we have to get good at not trusting in ourselves. We have to get good. Now listen, listen, this is, this is important. How many know that receiving from God and being overwhelmed by His grace will change your heart. Wait a minute. Remember Zacchaeus? How I many know Zacchaeus did not deserve to dine with Jesus? There are all kinds of Pharisees and Sadducees that I'm sure thought they deserved the honor more. Zacchaeus was a thief. 
Zacchaeus was a liar. Zacchaeus was a betrayer of his own people. He was a Jew who was a pawn by the Roman, uh, by the Ro- the Roman citizens in order to take, they taxed, they literally taxed their people. He was an awful, he was a scoundrel, right? He climbs up in a tree to see Jesus. This is an undeserving man. Here comes grace, and, and the Lord says, I'm going to eat at your house today. I mean, that's an honor. This prophet that everyone's thronging to see, everyone's pushing trying to see this prophet, and this guy just climbs up in a tree just to see this guy, he stops in all the crowds of people and chooses the least worthy human being there. Come on! And then he goes and he sits down to dinner with this guy. He never, he never corrects him. He never says, you're a thief. He never says, you're a liar. He never tells him to give stuff back. He just appears to him and is gracious to him and kind to him And the grace of God overwhelms this guy's heart. He stands up in the middle of dinner and and says, I give half my goods to the poor and I restore four times to everyone that I stole from. What taught him to deny ungodliness? Grace. According to Titus. The goodness of God led that man to repentance. And see, that's not a showy repentance. How many know he got blessed first and then changed? He wasn't trying to do something to get blessed. He got blessed when he didn't deserve it. And it overwhelmed his heart and he stood up and repented. So when I'm saying that your obedience doesn't earn you brownie points with God, I'm not setting the stage for licentiousness. I'm not setting the stage for immorality. I'm not setting the stage for you to be an idiot. I'm saying that the goodness of God is based on God's goodness and not our ability to deserve it. And when you encounter a goodness like that, it'll change your heart. I stand before you, nothing could tame me. My girlfriends couldn't tame me. My mom couldn't tame me. The police couldn't tame me. The the teachers couldn't tame me. I couldn't tame me. You know who tamed me? Jesus Christ. I stand before you today a totally tamed man. (laughs) Submitted to to, to a love that I could not push away. You know what I'm saying? And and so, the the grace of God will change you. But, But you don't earn any of this stuff, folks. If we earned it, we'd be able to boast against each other. If we deserved it, we'd be able to compare to each other. How many know there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else right now? Everyone here has the same right to receive. Everyone here has the same right to receive. Everyone here has the same right to receive. Because you have a righteousness that was given to you as a gift. Okay, get an amen. And so, we have to learn how to live in that righteousness, to live in the reality of who we are in Christ and not weaken it with what we can bring to the table. Okay? Not dilute it with what we can bring to the table. I do not want what I deserve. I don't. I don't. Now, the grace of God has changed me. Yes, the grace of God set me free from drug addiction, alcoholism, pornography, immorality. Set me free from all of that. But none of that makes me deserve God. 
I'm free from all of that. But none of that makes me deserve God. God blessed me before I was set free from all of that. God loved me before I was set free from all of that. Can I get an amen? You have to understand in the New Covenant, God blesses you first. And out of the blessing, the blessing leads you to change. The blessing leads you to repentance. I mean, it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. This works. Okay, the other stuff, it doesn't work. Legalism doesn't work. How I many you know this thing is a rescue from start to finish? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 15, please. And so, in order for us to live in this reality, we've got to keep Jesus in the forefront. You know? And, and, and people say that a lot. Well, you just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, that's the, kind of this esoteric concept of, you know, what do you mean? Like, do I get a picture of Jesus and keep my eyes on Jesus? What do you mean keep my eyes on Jesus? You know, what does that mean in a practical sense? I, I, I love practical things. You know, I, I, I want things to be simple and easy, and I want to know how, I want to, I want to, know how to do it. And, you know, and, and we make this statement, well, just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some, some nuts and bolts on how to stay in grace. And, and keeping your eyes on Jesus. Matthew chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus talking, He says, When He had called the multitude to Himself, He said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. So during their time, they were, they were so wrapped up in what people ate. Are you eating meat offered to idols or you're not eating meat offered to idols? Are you eating meat that has blood in it or you're not eating meat that has blood in it? Are you washing your hands? What are you doing outwardly? Are you are all this outward stuff? And the Lord said, What's more important than what goes in you is what comes out of you. How many know that your words are extremely powerful? God created everything with words. We are the only speaking spirit that occupies a physical body. Amen? Uh, we're created in the image of God, and how many know we have the ability to speak? Amen? The animal kingdom, they don't have the ability to do that. We are the only ones that have that ability. It is a tremendous power. How many know it is what causes you to leave the realm of darkness and go into the realm of light? You believe something and you speak something. How many know you didn't become a Christian by doing something? Amen? You, you became a child of God because you believed something and you spoke something. How I many you know God didn't build the earth uh, you know, with brick and mortar? How I many you know God spoke it into existence? See, so many times we, we, think, we think this chair is more powerful than words. We can fill this chair and this chair seems strong and all that. Uh, but how I many you know everything that you see came from words? The Bible says that, actually, the Bible says that Jesus is the Word of God. He's the Word made flesh. Amen? So, your words are powerful. And how many know what you say has the ability to harm you? And what you say has the ability to strengthen you? Your words are more powerful over your life than anyone else's words over your life. What you say about you, what you speak over your life, is more powerful than what anybody else says. Amen. 
And so what comes out, so if what comes out of a man can defile him, how many know what comes out of you can also edify you and strengthen you? I mean, one of the reasons we pray in the Spirit is we're building ourselves up. We're edifying ourselves. How many know prayer edifies you and strengthens you? You're speaking something. You're using your mouth. Amen. Turn to Hosea, Hosea chapter 10, please. And, and I'm saying that because I want to set the stage for us staying, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And, and, and staying in a place of receiving from the Lord and not leaving that place of eyes on Jesus back to eyes on ourselves. Amen. You have a good week, you can get your eyes on yourself and get arrogant and fall from grace. Amen. You know how you fall from grace? You try to establish your own righteousness. Sin does not cause you to fall from grace. Pride causes you to fall from grace. Amen. You can have a bad week and get your eyes on yourself and embrace condemnation and your eyes are no longer on Jesus, your eyes are back on yourself again. Okay? Your victory is not in you. Amen. I mean, Christianity, it's not this autonomous thing. It's not this self-help class. You are looking to someone who's saving you. And so a big, a big part of us maintaining and keeping this reality is what we speak, the words that we speak. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, it says, So to yourselves. So to yourselves. This is the only place in Scripture where it tells you to plant something inside of yourself. Okay? Everywhere else, you know, it tells you to sow here or sow there. This literally means you can plant inside yourself. Sow to yourself in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your foul ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. And so, what I'm talking about, and we've been talking about righteousness for quite some time now, and we've been talking about developing it, getting established in it, and becoming skilled in it. This is where this is the only place where true maturity happens in Christianity is when you get established in who you are in Christ and know that you're the righteousness of God. A big part of that is you speaking out of your mouth that you're the righteousness of God. You agreeing with the Scriptures that you're the righteousness of God. As you're speaking these things out, you're sowing righteousness into yourself now, and you're reaping in mercy. Now the thing about it is, how many know the mercy of God towards you doesn't change? How many know God's just as merciful to you today as He was yesterday as He will be tomorrow? But your ability to receive, your capacity to receive mercy can change. How many know when you're under condemnation, you can't see mercy. And so when you are sowing into yourself in righteousness, when you are speaking out what God has said about you, you're using your mouth, you're edifying yourself, you're strengthening yourself, and you're, you're, allowing, you're agreeing with what God has said, and you're getting your eyes back on Jesus. When you're declaring, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're getting your eyes off of you and back onto Christ. See, as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he could walk on the water. We understand that from a, from a physical standpoint, but I'm talking about throughout your day, you saying over you that you're, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you say that, you are pushing the filthy rags of self-righteousness away from you. You're pushing away that labyrinth of legalism and competition away from you. You're, pu you're, pu you're pulling your eyes away from yourself and you're getting your eyes on Jesus, and you're honoring the work of the cross. You're honoring Jesus' blood. I mean, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we confess that we're the righteousness of God. We sow into ourselves in righteousness. 
We break up that fallow ground. Time to seek the Lord's holy reign. Now turn to Romans chapter 10, please. And we'll really take a look at our covenant. Those were, those were um, so we understand the power of our words. We understand that we can sow into ourselves. But now let's take a look because in this chapter, he, he gives a comparison between the righteousness of works and the righteousness of faith. And he compares them. And in, in the righteousness which is of works, the righteousness that is based upon you and your obedience, in that place the devil will beat you. He'll win. Why? Because your faith will be destroyed. Because the foundation of your faith will be on you and not on the Son of God. How I many you know we have a greater cornerstone than our own obedience? I mean, we have a greater rock than, than our own ability, right? Now listen, your obedience is definitely important. Like, you know, how many know your love walk is important? How many of your love walk is a part of the way the kingdom of God is expressed out of you? Can I get an amen? We want to love God. We want to love people. I have found that sitting under grace, I love God more than I ever have before. I used to declare to God that I loved Him because everybody else was, and it was just a cool thing to do. But now, like, I have these moments where I'm just like, like, I really love Him. Like, I feel my love for Him. And I'm like, I, I love you. And like, it's not a show. It's not, I'm trying to, I, I love you so I can get something from you. It's a, I'm so thankful that you saved me. Like, I love you. And it's like a, it's, it's, it's a real and genuine love. Just like when Zacchaeus repented. How I many know it was a real repentance? Zacchaeus wasn't putting on a show for anybody. Zacchaeus wasn't trying to earn anything. Zacchaeus wasn't trying to establish his own righteousness. Zacchaeus had already been blessed. You understand? And so, our love walk is important. We want to love God and we want to love people, but we can't do any of that without receiving His love for us. And we won't be a steady receiver of the love of God until we know that we're right with God apart from our deeds apart from our behavior, apart from our actions. You need that type of stability in your life. You need that type of strength in your life. You need that type of foundation in your life that's greater than yourself. Because next week, you might have a good week and you might have a bad week. But you know what? you got a Savior that's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, regardless of how good or bad you have been or will be. That bring, And that's where faith comes from. Faith comes from that place. So Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God for Israel is that they might be saved, but I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. How many of legalistic people have a zeal? They have a strong zeal. But not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seek to establish their own righteousness. Every attempt to try to make God owe you through your behavior is an insult to the cross. Because you're trying to establish your own right to receive. How I many you know when uh, a great example of this is when the Pharisee and the other guy, I, don't, I forget what, 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 what his nationality was or whatever, but one guy was saying, Lord, I just thank you that you know, I tithe mint and ruse and anise and I do this and I do that. And the other guy would just beat his, his chest and said, Lord, I thank you that you're merciful to me, a sinner. The Bible, Jesus said one went away justified, one did not. One, all they did was brag about how awesome he was. That guy didn't go away justified. One humbled himself. How many know it takes humility to let God rescue you? It takes humility to be rescued. And that's why 
and, 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 I'm not ta- now, certainly the greatest rescue is being born again, but how many know you're in a constant state of rescue if you're doing it right? Because His strength is made perfect in your weakness. You don't have to be strong. You just have to be willing to be rescued. You have to, allow, you have to consent to letting Jesus be your righteousness and not yourself. Because so many times, like we'll begin with Jesus being our righteousness, and then we get a little, we get a little bit of a, a little strength in our lives, a little knowledge, and then we just want to push past Jesus and go do the, the greater, bigger things. No, you you never push past Jesus. You never go beyond Jesus. You never establish your own righteousness. And and, and it says. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. How many know it's a regular submission? How do you do it? Verbally. Out of your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What are you doing, Jeremiah? I'm submitting to the cross and I'm declaring it was a success. I'm the righteousness of God. You know what that means? That means I have a right to be healed. Not what I've done. What He did. I have a right to be healed. I have a right to be protected. I have a right to be provided for. I have a right to hear my Father's voice. I have a right to flourish. I have a right to to overcome. I have a right to be more than a conqueror through Him that has loved me. I have a right! And see, that right is not built on one tiny smidget of anything that I've done. This this right comes from a place of humility in that I am looking into, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Jesus gave me the right. Not me. Are y'all tracking me here? See, the enemy can't mess with Jesus. There are no cracks in his armor. There's no sin in his camp. There's nothing. He said the enemy may come, but he has nothing in me. The enemy can't mess with Jesus. Jesus already kicked his butt and stripped him of all power. He wants nothing to do with Jesus. And so he's trying to, he's spending all of his time to try to get your eyes off of Jesus and get your eyes on yourself. Well, I'm not going to receive because I did this and I didn't do that, and I and I and I and I'm an I, 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 I. That's the place where faith dies. The law avoids faith. That is the funeral of faith right there. Because you don't have anything trusting but you. How many know you are not the author and finisher of your faith? And if it's about you and what you've earned and what you deserved, here comes law. What's law going to do? Void it. It's no longer a gift. It's become a wage. Law kills faith. Annihilates it. Destroys it. Because once again, if it's based upon what I can earn and I can deserve... When I receive a promise, it's not a promise anymore. It's a wage that I've earned, that I've deserved, and I get this because I am an awesome Christian person. And then that's not the kingdom. And you're not walking in love because you're so full of pride and you're so full of condemnation and you think that you're better than everybody else. And so there's a stench of dead works about everything that you say and do because you're not submitting to righteousness, you're trying to establish your own righteousness, and whether you realize it or not, you're trying to become your own Christ. And I know that's strong words. But like, the, 
the enemy can't mess with Jesus. He can't. Like, Jesus already kicked his butt. Where are you at? You are in Christ. And so in order for your faith to flourish, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Out of your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In the Lord I have righteousness and strength. To me men shall come. All that are angry against me shall be ashamed. I'm established in righteousness. Fear and oppression are far from me. The work of His righteousness shall be peace. Out of your mouth, out of your mouth, out of your mouth. Sowing righteousness into your heart. Sowing righteousness into your heart. Reaping in mercy. Activating. Doing what God has called you to do. You're calling those things which be not as though they are. You have, have, you have an identity change. You are no longer a ranked sinner. You are now a child of God. You are now the temple of the living God. You are now a saint. You are now as righteous as Jesus Christ because Jesus' righteousness has been given to you as a gift. You are now in Christ. Christ is now in you. You've been purged. You've been cleansed. You've been made holy. As you agree with that, as you speak in line with that, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus and you are receiving everything that Jesus... So when the bump comes, and when the battle comes, and when the persecution comes, you don't put your eyes on you. So you don't fall under this veil of condemnation. Well, I should have, and I didn't, and I, and I, and I. No, get your eyes off of your... Not your eye, His eyes. Look at Him. Look at Him. How do you do it? Speak. I'm not so for for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of conduct for righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone who does what believes, you've left that land. You are no longer in righteousness, which is of works. You're now in righteousness, which is of faith. You've been made right with God according to what you believe. Amen. Now, how many know the enemy will try to hurl shame on that message? Well, man, you're just telling people they can do whatever they want to do, and you're just encouraging people to sin, and you're just a, you're just a, you're, 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 you're. No, it's what the book says, man. This is the gospel. I know it's offensive. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's an offense here. There's an offense to the cross. Jesus is the, he, he's the stumbling block. He's offensive. And, you know, he's not offensive to sinners, he's, of, he's offensive to self righteous people. Seriously, you will stumble at the stumbling stone. What does the stumbling stone say? The stumbling stone says this, you can't save you. You can't bless you. You can't heal you. You can't pro- You are not a part of the equation. You get saved. <laughs> you, you are weak. You get rescued. You are the lost sheep and you get found. Are you all tracking me here? It's humbling, but at the same time, I mean, it's the greatest news on earth. No news channel this morning has better news than this right here. That you will be saved and loved and rescued and healed and prospered according to God's love for you. And just like Zacchaeus, out of that blessing, you'll stand up and you'll let grace teach you to deny ungodliness. And you'll walk a life that's worthy of the gospel. You'll live a life that's worthy of, of, of how good God is. How I many you know it's easier to sin against anger than it is against love? It really is. It's hard to sin against love regularly. When say, you know, one of the things I've, I've learned about Eli, and you know, like Eli is a very, very strong personality, and Eli is more like me than any of the other kids. 
And the way to handle Eli is love him. It is. When he's throwing a little temper tantrum, when he's all fired up about something, you know, pick him up and love him. And he melts. But if you try to resist his will with your will, and that's your only approach, you better get ding, ding, ding. You better get ready. You better get ready because it's on and, and, and the likelihood of you winning is not much. I'm just, I have learned this and I'm the same way, praise God. God gives us kids like us to teach us about ourselves, amen? But if I'll just, when he's mad and he's throwing a fit and he's angry and he's throwing stuff and you know, he's, and he's all, if I just pick him, pick him, pick his little self up, put him on my shoulder, Daddy loves you. You're such a good boy. You're so good. Man, I mean, it's, it, and then he just, and then he just, <sighs> love is what works on this guy. Nothing else works. You know, uh, reward doesn't work. Reper repercussion doesn't work. Love's the only thing that works. And because um, he's just very strong-willed. He wants to do what he wants to do, you know. And, and that's, a, that's a great quality if we can get it, get it going in the kingdom. How I many know we need people like that in the kingdom right now? We need people to take a stand. We need people that's not going to bow down to the status quo. We need people that will stand up and fight. We need fighters right now. You know, fighters in the kingdom, you know. And so, but, but, but love will, love corrects him. It's what works, right? And, and, and how many know that love will correct you? In a higher way. When you've been corrected by love, you've been corrected to the core of your being. When you've, been you, when you've been corrected by punishment, I mean, you can punish somebody, but they're not submitted in their heart. You can punish them, but they're not... But when love has corrected somebody, there, there is submission from the top of their head to the bottoms of the soul of their being. They're fully repentant because they've been overwhelmed by love. And the thing about God is, His love is so big and so strong and inexhaustible is you can't wear Him out. You cannot out-rebel the love of God. Just like I picked up, you know, when Eli's throwing a fit, and he's throwing a fit, and, you know, he's doing, he's, he's all this stuff, you know. I'll just hold him and love him until he submits. How many you know God will pick you up and hold you and love you until you submit? I don't care how mad you are. I don't care how much you sin. I don't care how many mistakes you make. I don't care how rebellious you are. Your rebellion is not greater than His love for you. And man, you sit there and you're struggling in the arms of love and you're fighting in the arms of love and, and God's the whole time just smiling at you, just loving on you. How many know your heart melts? And you're like, I, can, I submit to your love. I submit to your righteousness. That person is truly submitted. From the top of their head to the, to the bottom of their heart, they're submitted. Love wins people over fuller than fear and reward. Now, the beginning of the, you know, wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's a reason it says it's the beginning. It's the beginning. It's not the ending. Amen. The fear of the Lord is good. It's healthy. But it's not the end. It's the beginning. However, the end of the commandment is love. I mean, you know, Paul got to a place in his life where he totally and completely stopped living for himself. He did not live for himself at all. Why? He'd been dominated by love. 
Love of Christ constrains me. Love of Christ compels me. I am a love slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Greek, it's the word doulos. Why? He'd been so overwhelmed by God's love that he became obedient. So your obedience doesn't get you brownie points with God. Can I get an amen? Jesus is all the brownie points you need. But in, in the embrace of the Son of God loving you and forgiving you, it will cause you to obey from your heart. I mean, you know, real obedience is from the heart, not just the outward show. Amen? I mean, you know, we're after people's hearts. I don't want my kids to just obey me when they're around me. You follow me? I, I, want, I want their hearts. You understand? And, and God's the same way. And so the way God does things is His, His love comes in. And so we're submitting this righteousness. Christ is the end of us for right standing with God. Now, righteousness is the basis upon which you receive everything from God. How many of you are under the old covenant, as long as they did right, they were blessed? And when they did wrong, they were cursed. And so something had to die. Temple, temple sacrifices, right? Blood of bulls and goats, right? So under the new covenant, still your right to receive from God is righteousness. But now it's been given to you as a gift through Jesus Christ. As long as you keep your eyes on Him as your righteousness, listen to me, your faith will flourish. You'll have strong faith. Because your faith won't be based upon the up and down of your own conduct. But it'll be built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Are y'all trying? Faith is still a thing. Believe it. I mean, it's still extremely important. But the way we tried to get faith back in the old days is we we didn't we 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 ended up making faith our God. We deified faith, and we focused on faith rather than focusing on Jesus. <laughs> Focus on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Jesus will cause faith. When you see Jesus is an amazing grace, your faith will rise. When you see the outstretched hand of your Savior, faith will reach out and take His hand. Are y'all tracking me here? The purpose of faith is to see Jesus. The purpose of faith is not to, receive, is not to make promises happen and, and make things materialize. Just like if I look out this window to see the sunset, I mean, you know, the, more, the best case scenario is that I get so engrossed in the sunset that I, I forget that I'm looking through a window. Your faith is the window that you see Jesus with. The best place for your faith is to totally not think about it at all. And only be thinking about Jesus. The, the, the two people that had great faith, you know, they, they, they weren't thinking about whether they were qualified to receive or unqualified to receive. They were just amazed at seeing Jesus. That's Jesus. He's a hero. Whatever I need, He's going to do it. Because they were, they were looking through an untarnished window. There was no disqualification. See, the pulpit should not be a place where you learn why you're qualified or disqualified. The pulpit should be a place where we preach Jesus. Where Jesus is present, miracles happen. Where Jesus is present, faith arises. Where Jesus is present. Amen. And specifically, Jesus says your righteousness. Okay, so let's go on here. It says, for Moses' right. Now, this is the other righteousness. This is the one you don't want operating in your life. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Everybody say, do. 
Okay, the righteousness which is of works is based on deeds. Are your deeds important? Yes. Is what you do important? Yes. Do your deeds impact the way... I mean, once again, I mean, you can't earn brownie points for God. Jesus is your big brownie point. Amen? How many know the thief on the cross didn't do one good thing to receive? He just believed. That's all the Lord wants. What shall we do that we work the works of God? Belief. God's made it so simple, we've overcomplicated it. Okay. Moses writes about the righteousness which is the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So the righteousness of the law is based on your obedience, based on what you do. You don't want that. If you roll like that, you're going to have no faith. And you're going to be so consumed with yourself. How weird would it be if you're in a relationship with somebody and there you are, let's say husband and wife scenario, and the only thing the husband wants to do is just look at himself, stare at himself, <laughs> hug himself. You know what I'm saying? Look at himself, look at himself, look at himself, look at himself. How many know that's not a relationship? How many Christians are sitting in the room with Jesus and all they want to do is stare at themselves? Am I clean enough for Jesus? Am I good enough for Jesus? Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I, am I, am I? He's just like, what I have cleansed don't call common. I've lifted the veil off my bride. My bride is worthy. She's clean and she's beautiful. Don't sit in a room with Jesus and stare at yourself. That is twisted. Like, we can recognize that in a relationship sense, but how many know most Christians spend all their time staring at whether they're good enough or not good enough for Jesus? And Jesus is like, I have cleansed you with my blood. Let my word cleanse your mind so that you'll believe that my blood cleansed you. Amen. How many know you're in a relationship with Jesus? This isn't a formula, this isn't, um, this isn't some system that you're working. This is a person. His name is Jesus. He's going to rescue you. His rescue comes in the form of all of His promises. Sometimes His rescue is healing. Sometimes it's protection. Sometimes it's wisdom. Sometimes it's relational. And sometimes it's promotion. Sometimes it's financial provision. How many of you there's all different ways that God expresses His love towards you? Amen? But it's all through a person. This isn't a, this isn't a doctrine. This isn't a teaching. This is a person. Amen? How I many you can have a relationship with a person? This isn't, even the do- this isn't even the doctrine of grace. This is the person of Jesus. Are y'all tracking me here? Amen. And so, but the, right, all right, the man who does those things shall live by him. But the righteousness of faith, this is your righteousness, this is what's going to keep your eyes on Jesus, the righteousness of faith speaks. It speaks. It says something. But initially it shows you what it does not say. Let's look at this. This this passage is so important. The righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? How many know it don't say that? What is that saying? Who's going to be awesome enough to ascend to Jesus? Who's going to be awesome enough to raise Him from the dead? 
How many know that entire statement is focused on us? But how many know a good portion of Christianity, we're going to storm the gates of heaven and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we are, we, us, I, our movement, us. That's not how this works. It's not about us. It's so not about us that we get offended. (laughs) It's so not about us that our pride gets upset. And we want something more complicated than the simplicity of Christ. Anyway, the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above? Or who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? This is what it says. The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is about you saying something. Remember, your words have the ability to defile and your words have the ability to edify. Your words have the ability to sow righteousness into your hearts. What is it? It's not about what you do. It's about what He did and what you have to say about what He did. What are you going to say about what He did? Are you going to say that it was a success? <laughs> are you going to agree that He did a good job on the cross? How I many know we would all agree that He did a good job on the cross? But did He do a good job on the cross for you? Well, if He did, then that means that you are as righteous as He is. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have just as much a right to the Father as Jesus did in His earthly walk. He didn't give you a lesser righteousness. He didn't give you a plan B righteousness. He gave you the righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus has been given to you, right? That is the Word that's near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. So, we need to say that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so that in... Now here's the thing. I'm the, now as a believer, I'm the righteousness of God whether I say it or not. Because I'm a believer. I'm born again. But if I don't say it, I'm going to go back to trying to earn it. If I'm not speaking it, I'm going to go right back to trying to establish my own righteousness. I don't care how long I've been preaching this message. I don't care how many books I've written. I don't care how many sermons I've preached. If I'm not speaking this word that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I will go straight back to legalism and not even realize that I'm there until my butt's been severely kicked and my back's against the wall. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? Went back to legalism, didn't even realize I did it. It's so easy to do. Don't feel bad about going back here. I love what uh, Martin Luther said. He said, if I didn't preach this message every day, I'd forget it. This is the guy that wrote the thesis, nailed the thesis to the, to the wall. Why? It's so hard for your mind to keep a hold of. Your spirit understands it. I mean, it bears witness to your spirit. But your head, it's so hard for your head to lay hold of the fact that I get something I don't deserve. That I receive things that I don't deserve. That's the whole purpose of faith is to give you things you don't deserve. The whole purpose of faith is to, is to give you gifts. Everything that God has to you is a gift. None of it's a wage. None of it's earned. None of it's deserved. It's all a gift. How many you know when you receive a gift, you glorify the giver of the gift? When you receive a wage, you glorify yourself. So, 
Out of your mouth, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My righteousness I hold fast and I'll not let it go. I'm established in righteousness. Fear and oppression are far from me. I'm right with God. I'm right with God. What am I doing? I'm sowing righteousness into myself. The example that Casey brought forth a couple weeks ago, I'm banging my gong. I'm setting my, I'm setting my spirit in tune with, with, with heaven. See, because when... Uh, because when you know you're the righteousness of God, when you know you're the righteousness of God, you know where your eyes are? Your eyes are on Jesus. When your eyes are on Jesus, can't nothing stop you. Can I get an amen? amen? Nothing can stop you when your eyes are on Jesus. Because your strength is not in yourself. Your strength is in the Lord. When your eyes are on Jesus, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, God's going to answer my prayer. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I recognize this challenge is not from the Lord. This storm is not from the Lord. This sickness is not from the Lord. This, this, this unopened door is not from the Lord. Why? Because God is for me. Y'all tracking me here? Because I know that when you know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, all of creation responds. Amen. Because you're operating on a heavenly wavelength. You're operating on, you're doing things. How many of you, it's the kingdom. How many of you, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. But it's a righteousness which is a faith. And I'm not speaking it out of my mouth. I will go back to trying to establishing it. But here's the beauty of it. When I believe that I'm right with God, I'm going to act right. My actions are going to line up to what I believe. If I believe I'm a good man, I'm going to act like a good man. If I believe I'm a faithful man, I'm going to act like a faithful man. If I believe that I'm loving, I'm going to act loving. So you can't get the engine. You don't, act love. you don't act right in order to be right. You believe you're right, and then you act right. It's the biggest difference in the world, right? And, but we got to speak it. Say it. This is where the rubber meets the road. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe these are two separate experiences. I believe one is talking about being born again, and I believe the other one is you actually enjoying salvation, enjoying rescue, enjoying soteria in this life. How does it happen? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. We've been tasked with one thing, to believe in Jesus and to believe the cross is a success. We take all of our attention, all of our focus, all of our eggs, we put it in that basket. Everything else lines up when we believe the one thing. When I believe that I'm the righteousness of God. When, how do I, when do I believe that I'm the righteousness of God? When I'm looking at the Lord. When I'm looking at Him. When, when do I lose sight of the fact that I'm the righteousness of God? When I get my eyes off of Him and I get my eyes back on me. My good deeds and my bad deeds. Amen. I mean, you don't want to get caught up in your good deeds. No, you don't. Yeah. You don't, you don't, want, you don't want to be focused on you at all. You want to be focused on Him. Are y'all tracking me here? Look at Him. How do you do it? Speak. Speak out of your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Romans 4, real quick, and we close. I mean, this is the rubber meets the road. This is what appropriates into reality all the things that I'm talking about. We got to speak it. We got to speak it. We don't speak. Now, when you get saved, you know, you speak in order to be made righteous. But once you are righteous, you speak it to bear witness with the fact that you're righteous and keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. How many know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ? When we, when, we, when we believe that we're the righteousness of God, everything else lines up. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This goes right back to the same thing that was brought to Abraham. Abraham was a man with no child. He was an older man. And he had no child. And God said, I've made you a father of many nations. Abraham had to say what God had said about him to appropriate the promise. How many know Abraham was under grace? Abraham wasn't trying to work his way into a promise. Abraham had to say what God said. God called him a father of many nations before he saw anything. How many know God has called you righteous before we see righteousness in your life? Okay, get an amen. And so we have to... We have to say what God has said about us. You have to declare you the righteousness of God when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Put it into your vernacular. Put it into your... Because the primary attack against your faith is not, is God big enough? The primary attack against your faith is, is God going to do it for you? That's always the attack. And the answer is yes, because it's not about you, it's about Jesus. Are you all tracking me here? You've got to remove the weak link. The weak link's us. Don't, don't make it about you. Make it about Jesus. How can that person that come in off the streets, drug addict, alcoholic, crazy person, immediately receive healing? Because it was about Jesus. How many know that person can have great faith? And a person that's been in church for 50 years cannot have great faith. Because they've been taught to stare at themselves rather than to stare at the Christ. Are y'all tracking me here? This is so important, man. It's so important. Speaking out the righteousness of God. Saying what the Lord has said about you. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Just, just speak with me here for a minute. Say, I believe. That I'm right with God. Jesus did a good job on the cross. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ, Jesus. in Christ Jesus. See, what you're doing there, when you're speaking that, you're honoring the work of the cross. You're honoring the work of the cross. You're honoring the work of the cross, and you're honoring the work of the cross in you. And you're speaking out who you are. You're calling those things that be not as though they are. You're, you're getting your eyes on Jesus. You're getting your faith eyes on Jesus. So y'all, y'all tracking me here. Let's continue. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am eternally forgiven. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. I have a right to receive everything Jesus paid for. It's all mine in Christ because I'm right with God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
I am right with God. 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 I'm right with God. I have a right. I have a blood-bought right to be healthy, to be strong, to be wise, to represent Jesus. I have a blood-bought right for my prayers to be answered, for my children to be blessed. I have a blood-bought right. I have a right. I have a right. I am right. I'm right with God. Through the blood of the Lamb, I overcome by the word of my testimony. I testify. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is where faith comes from. That place. Right there. I'm going to read you this passage and we're going to close. Romans 1.17. The Greek is really confusing. But if you look at it in the Amplified, it makes it really clear. And it's going, to, it's going to open the lid on what I'm talking about here. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. I'm reading this out of the, out of the Amplified. Romans 1.17. It says, For in the Gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith. How many of you know that the righteousness springs from faith? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many of you know you're right with God through believing in the Lord? Springing from faith and leading to faith. Your faith comes from knowing that you're right with God. You're made right with God by faith, and then your faith grows by knowing that you're right with God. When I know that I'm right with God, I'm confident that I have a right to all that He's promised. It's not a wage that I earn. It's not something I deserve. It's all because of Jesus. Y'all tracking me here? Both springing from faith and leading to faith Revealed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. <laughs> so, how many you know in the Old Testament, Jesus was the rock that they drank from, the spiritual rock? The gospel of Jesus Christ that reveals Jesus as your righteousness, that's where you drink your faith from. That's where all your faith comes from. So, if you can believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, your faith will become big and strong and robust because your eyes will be on Jesus and not on yourself. When you start looking at yourself, your faith starts voiding out. You ever seen the light when the, 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 the switch was off or the, the wiring was bad? When, when the enemy can throw in a little bit of legalism, your faith starts going, just dies. Why? Because you're thinking, well, do I deserve God to answer my prayers or do I not? It, I mean, you know, that it's... The weak link has been removed in the New Covenant. It's not about what you deserve or don't deserve. It's about what Jesus deserved. Can I get an amen? That's the reason He's the author and finisher of our faith. He knows how to do it. So if you'll just speak out the righteousness that you are in Christ, and you'll embrace this and listen to this and ingest this and get this in your life, your faith is going to rise up and you're going to have a confidence that you've never had before. But as long as you're self-conscious... And always looking at it. And how many know a good portion of teaching the body of Christ makes you so self-conscious? It's always, look at you. What have you done? What did your ancestors do? You know, what did this person do? What did that? We're looking at everything but Jesus. 
And man, the more you look at that stuff and look at, well, you know, the reason, three reasons why this is not happening in your life and five reasons why this is not happening in your life and six reasons why this is not happening. The pulpit is not a place of disqualification. Jesus didn't come to the masses and say, okay, who deserves to be healed today? He, who, who deserves to be fed today? No, He came and He gave. Amen. Because He was the qualifying agent. Nothing else, amen? And so, as you focus on Jesus and focus on the fact that you're right with God, your faith will arise. But here's the thing, you're, you're not going to arrive in this. You're, not, you're going you're to need to regularly say that you're the righteous. How many of y'all feel your faith's increased today? Can you feel it? It's pretty cool, isn't it? I love it. This, this is the only message that actually brings faith. See, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. The message about Jesus brings faith. Legalism does not bring faith. It destroys faith. I've talked about Jesus all morning this morning, and as a result, your faith is increased. Are you all tracking me here? And you have the ability to do this within yourselves. When you start to get your eyes off of Jesus and get your eyes back on yourself, use your mouth and put your attention back on Jesus and say what God has said about you. Amen? And you'll develop momentum in this, and you'll get stronger in this. And... Um, It'll change your life, man. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Okay, cool. Well, let's turn to Luke chapter 6.